So thank you again for joining us. I am Sandy Waters, and in the studio with me today is Dr. Donna Marie Kozine, the CEO and co-founder of the Renaissance Academy Charter School of the Arts. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Sandy. Welcome to the show. Um, Okay, so let's learn more about the Renaissance Academy. This This is your baby. It is. Um, It's a charter school that I founded back in 2013. Okay. We're an elementary charter school of the arts. We are located in uh, Greece, New York, but 93% of our children do come from the Rochester City School District. Okay. So back in 2013, when you thought of this idea, what were you doing at that time and what inspired you to start this? So actually it all started back in 2012. Okay. My children were 10 months old and three years, and I was um, ending some time with a private company that supported schools in the Rochester City School District. Okay. And I was at a crossroads because my position there was ending, and I was also figuring out what to do as a, as a mother. As I looked at my child, who at the time was three, I realized that she really loved the arts. And at the time, schools were actually gutting the arts from all yes. programs because of the Common Core. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I really want a, a school where my child can experience joy. So from that, Renaissance Academy Charter School of the Arts was born. We opened our doors to 194 K-2 students in um, the fall of 2014, my daughter being one of the kindergarten students. Um, she is now in the going into the fourth grade. My son joined us this year, so both of my children attend the school. And it's a, a really amazing place where when you walk in, you just the joy is palpable. The children mm-hmm. love it. Um, the staff love it. And it's all about what's best for the kids. Was there a lot of pushback? When you had this idea originally? Or did everybody welcome it with open arms? Yeah, there was no pushback at all. Um, I just was a little ignorant as to what it meant to uh, to start a school. In this case, ignorance was bliss because had I known all of the uphill battles, I might have just taken the... That's what they say, though, about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. It really is. Um, It's amazing what we've been able to do in the short amount of time. Charter schools in New York State receive only 68% of the monies that the districts get to educate their children. So as an example, if um, a school district pays $10,000 over the course of a year to educate their child, they would only send us $6,800. So we have to do more with less resources. Um, Districts also get building funds from New York State, and we don't. So everything oh. that we get and everything that we are able to do has to come out of that 68% funding. So there's a funding imbalance, um, and we have been really fiscally conservative to try and make sure that the majority of our money goes right to the program and the education of the children. Do you foresee any day where that will change? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there are certainly, um, in Albany, there are powers um, – at odds about charter schools. What I try to do is just be true to our mission and focus on our children and and our day-to-day and not get mired down in what would be. It is what it is. Um, We're given more autonomy in exchange for, you know, having, um, being our own school. So a charter school is its own real district. So my role as a CEO is more of what you would consider a superintendent. So I am the liaison to the state, to the board of trustees, but I'm also the on-site person for the building. So it's as if it's a one-school district. Okay. All right. So now you're following what the standards are set by Absolutely. New York State. Do you have to follow the Common Core practices and all that? Okay. Yeah, we have to. Uh, yes, we have to implement the okay. Common Core. And we're also required to take all the New York State assessments. 
Okay. But to get there, you have more authority over how you get there. Whereas in a school district, they have a a system that they have to follow word for word. You know, I've been, I've worked in districts. Um, I was a district teacher, administrator, and now I'm in a charter school. And I think the main difference is that there's a much shorter path from the administration to the classroom. So as a leader, as an instructional leader, I can look to my teachers and say, what do you need? Um, And they'll say, well, we want to try X, Y, or Z. And I'll say, well, let's do it. Let's pilot it and see what happens and then make a decision. Whereas in the past, when I've been the instructional leader, I'd have to go through channels. So what does the district committee on ELA think? What is the other school going to do? If the other school is not going to do it, then you can't do it. What is the superintendent? So there's a lot less red tape where we can really get to, um, you know, look at what is causing our issues and how do we think we're going to address those issues when I'm, I'm speaking about like education issues or even social emotional. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot less red tape for us to be able to make those changes. And this is considered a public school, so there's is. no tuition. No, it's tuition free. Okay. So any person, the way charter schools in New York state work is works is any student in New York state can apply to be, um, go to a charter school. Okay. If you have more children than you have seats, then you have to go to an, a lottery. Um, and this year we had 300 seats for 75 openings. So, oh, wow. yeah, we have we have significant um, outreach opportunities for uh, parents to learn about our school. Yeah. And our name is really getting out there. So our seats have been filled since pretty much our first year. And there's lots of demand for us. Um, and then when they get in the lottery, we, we give them an opportunity to enroll. If they choose to enroll, great. If they don't, then um, we go on a wait list. Okay. So even though you said the majority of the students come from the city school district, mm-hmm. it really is open to anybody. It certainly is. Um, we have priority for siblings of students. Okay. And because we're located in Greece, um, there's priority to Greece residents because that's state law. And then we also have a priority for children of people who work there. Okay. By law. All right. And the busing, no matter what district you're really in, you can... If you are within 15 miles of the school, the district will transport you. It's the same law that they do for um, parochial or private schools as well. All right. So now let's talk about the classroom environment. You said it's all about the arts. And there has been study upon study how the arts does enhance and enrich kids and help them learn, right? So why is it being cut in so many other schools? You know, I've, I've wondered that. You know, it's really counterintuitive to me as an educator that when you have something that really builds capacity in children, why we're taking it away. Right. Um, I think the way that we do it, we do arts in two different ways. Okay. One is they do get skill-based arts every day or phys ed. There's on, they're on a four-day rotation. But we also have this period of time called arts integration where the classroom teacher and an art teacher work side by side and they deliver instruction towards a common goal, but they're each teaching their own instructional um, standards. So I'll give you an example. Um, in third grade, they were doing a thematic unit on forces in motion, or it was called um, sports in motion. And arts integration at that time was visual arts. So they learned about pendulum painting and how if you use a pendulum and you bring the paint down from the pendulum, based on how you push the pendulum, the speed and the force, will what that would look like on an art painting. And from that, they were able to make, um, children were able to learn about um, the size, the shape, the force, the um, amount of paint that came out. And from that, children had a really higher understanding of how motion impacts 
yeah. sports and also, um, obviously, things like painting. And then a lot of kids learn in different ways. Absolutely. This is more visual. It allows you to visualize and understand it in a different way. Well, actually, in that in that example, in most of our examples, it really it really ties into all of the children's learning styles. So children learn, well, we as people in general, learn visually through sight or um, auditorily through what we hear, tactilely, which is when we touch something, and mm-hmm. kinesthetically as, as, as we're moving. So the arts integration really ties in all of those all learning styles. All of it, styles, yeah. For so sure. it really is helping each individual student, whereas some students, you hear the stories of some students falling behind in class because they just can't grasp onto the concept and there's no time to catch them up. Yeah. You know, you hear that from a lot of parents sometimes. One of the things that we're working on this year is really looking at our data to see when we do the arts integration, how is that impacting student learning? So using assessments prior to the arts integration unit and after, uh, we noticed that on our New York State assessments this year, we haven't gotten our scores, but we are able to get release questions and looking at the strands that when we looked at units that were taught through arts integration, children did much better. So for instance, in one of the grades, it was figurative language and they used, um, not sure if they did drama or dance for that. But when we went to that standard on the New York State assessments over almost, not almost every child, but a significant number, probably over 80% of the children got all of those questions correct. Wow, that's so, there's so a sh- interesting. Yeah, so it does show um, that it's working. You know, anything, however, takes time. When you start mm-hmm. something from zero, um, every day you're getting better, every year you're getting better. Um, so we're anticipating, you know, we're just going into our fifth year, that, you know, in the next five years, this school will really show the results that we know that it, it can show. Now, what do you need from us as a community? You know, I feel like our school is the best-kept secret. You know, um, I see... Lots of things out there about um, there are some charter schools that have really great names because they've either been around for a long time or they're part of what's called a charter management organization. So everyone knows their names. And I don't feel like a lot of people know us and know Mm -hmm. um, what we need. We just need friends. You know, we need friends to volunteer. We need friends to say they will make donations of goods or even just um, funds for things like that. We purchased our building the first year. At the end of our first year, which is really unheard of, but we could not find a place to house this school. Um, As a matter of fact, we went to 24 different sites in the city of Rochester and could not find a school. And at the 11th hour, we found this school in um, Greece. And the funny story is that um, Greece actually, it was for sale, so we made an offer on it. And Greece actually allowed us to um, lease it until the closing. And I started with staff on August 10th training staff and we did not really have our building confirmed until August 12th so really this school was started on a wing and a prayer and just belief that you know good things happen when you work hard and when you make a commitment to people so um, it's almost it's been an uphill battle ever since but um, you know I work with amazing board members and staff members who just have grit and tenacity and do whatever we need to do for these children and their families and that is so rewarding to see the kids develop and just the look on their face. I can only imagine how excited they are to even come to school. It's amazing. It's you know, this way. It really is amazing. Parents will say, you know, on Fridays they, they're upset. I'll tell you, the worst day of school for me is the last day of school. And I know that sounds oh. like it shouldn't be because it's the beginning of the summer, but the kids are sobbing. You know, they leave and they're on the buses and they're waving and they're literally sobbing. They do not want to leave us. They'll, they'll say, can we come back for summer school? And I don't have the funds for summer school. So um, 
but we've done maybe someday you will yeah it would be yeah. great it would be great you know because if you have a summer program that summer slide which you know has over and mm-hmm. over there's lots of information on if children are not engaged in uh, reading and math over the summer they slide back it can take almost up to six months to make up for that eight weeks Jeez. yeah it really is um it really is impactful so this year we created a summer scholar initiative so if they do some things over the summer based on some of our online platforms they'll earn a special t-shirt and it'll be a once once in a lifetime t-shirt so just trying to keep our children engaged over the summer is yeah. important and what are the grades again at the school this year we're k through six we accept applications for k through second um and our children will grow up each grade but this year is the first year that we're going to be at our full grade capacity of k6 which was our you know our mm-hmm. our model because we grew over time you know arts is an important part of our our school however we do have seven key design elements um, and all of those key design elements work very closely to um, create this amazing program one of them is that we have um, speech and language support for all learners so there's some research um, that was done about 30 years ago that children from a background of poverty will come with a word gap expressive and receptive word gap and sometimes if you if you don't take care of those or, or build the children's mm-hmm. capacity in that area, it could lead to special education services, which is what we're trying to avoid for our children. So we have our own speech language pathologist who actually co-teaches. And, you know, a lot of time people think speech and they think, oh, it's articulation or stuttering. But there's so much that goes on in the brain around language, about what you hear and how you express it, um, how you connect thoughts in your brain. So that's what we work on with our kindergarten and first graders to really if we feel that if we front load those services, uh, we can yes. bring those children to where they need to be. So that's one of them. The daily arts is a second. The other one is um, the arts integration. We also have lots of support for families. So we have a family services coordinator and a school social worker, and they work on getting our families connected with services outside of school if they need them or whatever whatever they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, our, those two people will work with their families on that. We have a school nurse. Um, we have a dean of students. Um, K two and grades three through six, they have their own director, which is considered like an assistant principal. So the line of communication for a parent to the school is very short. They yeah. know exactly who to call if they're having, you know, an issue. We have a character education program around the Positivity Project, which is based on positive psychology, which says, "Hey, you know what? We all have strengths. Let's grow our strengths. And um, what are our character strengths? Everyone yeah. has certain character strengths." And we use those character strengths also to grow what we call dispositions for success. So there's been lots and lots of research about what successful people do. Um, And it's been boiled down to that there are these certain dispositions or character strengths and virtues that people have that, you know what, you don't ever learn it. You don't learn tenacity. You don't learn grit. You don't really learn humor. But those are the things that get you through a situation with an unknown outcome. So when you're faced with a challenge, what are those things that are going to get you through? So those dispositions for success, we really tie them into the curriculum. Well, Dr. Donna Marie Kozine, thank you so much for being in today. We ran out of time, but I would love to have you back in to learn more. Yeah, that would be great. I, you know, welcome everyone to come to our website. It's www.renacad.org. And uh, you can reach out to me or the school or our family services coordinator who is sitting next to me smiling, Mrs. Kimberly Felton. Um <laughs> But yeah, we would love some more community support, involvement in in any capacity. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.